Hey, welcome into Positive Light. We're bringing a positive influence into this world and into your life. And hi, I'm Bob Miles. And today's episode is going to be Walk by Faith, Not by Sight. So what does it mean to walk by faith? Those words sim- seem simple enough. However, I'm learning that fleshing out those words, that simple concept, can be a much tougher assignment. It requires tremendous courage and strength. You must be willing to be misunderstood and even abandoned. You must be willing to give up your semblance of control of your life that you thought you might have. You must be willing to look like a complete fool, but it is a journey of tremendous blessing and reward. It is a journey that is exciting, life-altering, and mind-boggling. It is a journey that will allow you to see and experience God as He was meant to be in all His fullness and grace. So walking by faith and not by sight requires you to go to a place you do not know, one that God will reveal as you walk in obedience. Just look at Abraham in the example Genesis 12.1. Walking by faith means that you continue to cling to the dreams God has planted in your heart. Even when you've been thrown away, taken to prison for crimes you didn't commit, just look at all Joseph endured out of Genesis 37. Walking by faith requires a strong determination to follow God's plan regardless what life throws your way. Look to Daniel to discover how to have the resolve not to sin. Walking by faith means you have the courage to stand up for the hurting, broken, and downtrodden to face death yourself for the good of others. Look as Esther and how she risked the death penalty to save the Jews. You just may have to play the part of a fool. Think about Noah building an ark for a flood when it had never even rained on earth. Think about Abraham clinging to the promise that he would be the father of many nations even though he was childless at the age of 100. Think about Moses standing before the Israelites in the wilderness telling them they would eat meat until it disgusted them, but having no idea where that meat would come from. Think about Joshua marching around the walls of Jericho as God had told him to and wondering what good it was going to do. If you choose this path, you must be willing to get out of your comfort zone, to run from the Americanized brand of Christianity that so many of us have known for our entire lives. You must be willing to let God take your world and turn it upside down, shake it up, and start all over again. You must be willing to let God out of the neat little box that you have put him in to let him show up as he sees fit. Maybe it will be calling to do something you never dreamed before. Foster or adopt children. Leave your job and become a missionary. Trade in the worldly comforts for heavenly treasures. Maybe it won't be that clean and neat and socially acceptable. Maybe your world will be turned upside down by the pain of adultery or divorce. Or maybe you will be faced with infertility or addiction. Maybe you will have a prodigal child that completely changes the direction of your life. Or maybe you've experienced the loss of a child, a hurt like no other. I don't know what your shakeup might look like, but I know that if you will give it to God, Throw up your arms in surrender and ask him to use it to change your life. He will honor your request. He will take you on a journey, teach you to walk by faith, and trust you with some of life's most treasured moments. He will build a faith in you, faith that moves mountains and moves God's hands. 
He will teach you to live this life with abandonment, giving you a freedom to walk in all his fullness and grace. He will prepare you to be used mightily in the life for his glory. Perhaps you have already experienced your life being turned upside down, toppled without any control. Perhaps you have found yourself wandering in the wilderness, watching his fire direct your every step by night. A cloud leads you by day. Perhaps you sense you are on the edge of the promised land just waiting for him to give the command to take possession. And yet, you are tired and weary. You've lost friends who don't understand how you can continue to cling to a promise that is obviously dead and gone. You are so close and yet feel so far away. You are struggling with temptations to just settle even though you know it is less than God's best. You simply don't know how much longer you can stand. You're not alone. I see God raising up a remnant of believers. Those he knows will be obedient. He is looking for those with clean hands and a pure heart. Those who will choose obedience even if it costs them everything this world has to offer. He is looking for those who will throw caution to the wind. Believe that he has an abundant life waiting if we will follow his ways. He's looking for those whose hearts have been purified, whose faith has been strengthened by the trials of life. He's looking for those who will cling to his promises even when it seems there is no hope. So be strong and courageous, my friends. God has specifically chosen you to be part of his remnant those who will allow him to take their lives and mold them into what he wants. He has chosen you to have your faith tested and tried, and he promises that the fire will only purify you, not burn you. He has promised that he will be with you every single step, walking with you, carrying you, supporting you. He promises that he is still in control even when life seems to be spiraling wildly out of control. He is teaching you to trust him so he can do something bigger and better than you ever dreamed possible. He is teaching you to let go and trust him with your heart, your soul, and your life. He is teaching you to walk every single day in the Spirit so that he can do even greater works in you and through you. He is preparing you to be a beacon of light and hope to a world which desperately needs to see Jesus. I don't know where you are on this journey of walking by faith, but I encourage you, beg you, and plead with you to wave the white flag of surrender. Let God take your life, your pain, your loss, and use it for his glory. Ask him to do an amazing work in you so he can do an amazing work through you. Get out the boat and step onto the water and never take your eyes off him. It is a decision you will never regret. So next, I'd like to read you a story, and it's called The Lord's Prayer. And it's a routine prayer is interrupted unexpectedly, but the interruption helps make the prayer much more meaningful. And here it is. Our Father, who art in heaven, yes, don't interrupt me, I'm praying, but you called me. Called you? No, I didn't call you. I'm praying, Our Father, who art in heaven. There, you did it again. Did what? Called me. You said, Our Father, who art in heaven. Well, here I am. What's on your mind? But I didn't mean anything by it. I was, you know, just saying my prayers for the day. I always say the Lord's Prayer. It makes me feel good, kind of like fulfilling a duty. Well, all right, go on. Okay, 
hallowed be thy name. Hold it right there. What do you mean by that? By what? By hallowed be thy name. It means, uh, it means good grief. I don't know what it means. How in the world should I know? It's just part of the prayer. By the way, what does it mean? It means honored, holy, wonderful. Hey, that makes sense. I never thought about it, what hallowed meant before. Thanks. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it in heaven. Do you really mean that? Sure, why not? What are you doing about it? Doing? Why, uh, nothing? I guess I just think it would be kind of neat if you get control of everything down here like you have up there. We're kind of in a mess down here, you know. Yes, I know. But have I got control of you? Well, I go to church. That isn't what I asked you. What about your bad temper? You've really got a problem there, you know. Then there's the way you spend your money. All on yourself. What about the kind of books you read? Now hold on just a minute. Stop picking on me. I'm just as good as some of the rest of those people at church. Excuse me? I thought you were praying for my will to be done. If that is to happen, it will have to start with the ones who are praying for it. You, for an example. Oh, all right. I guess I do have some hang-ups. Now that you mention it, I could probably name some others. And so could I. I haven't thought about it very much until now, but I really would like to cut out some of those things. I would like to, you know, be really free. Good. Now we're getting somewhere. We'll work together, you and me. I'm proud of you. Look, Lord, if you don't mind, I need to finish up here. This is taking a lot longer than I usually does. Give us this day our daily bread. You need to cut out the bread. You're overweighted as it is. Hey, wait a minute. What is this? Here I'm doing my religious duty, and all of a sudden you break in and remind uh, me of all my hang-ups. Praying is a dangerous thing. You just might get what you asked for. Remember, you called me. Here I am. It's too late to stop now. Keep praying. Well, go on. I'm scared to. Scared of what? I know what you'll say. Try me. Forgive us our sins, and we forgive those who sin against us. What about Alice? See, I knew it. I knew you would bring her up. Lord, she told lies about me, spread stories. She never paid me back the money she owes me. I've sworn to get even with her. But your prayer? What about your prayer? I didn't mean it. Well, at least you're honest. But it's quite a load carrying around all that bitterness and resentment, isn't it? Yes, but I'll feel better as soon as I get even with her. Boy, have I got some plans for her. She'll wish she had never been born. No, you won't feel any better. You'll feel worse. Revenge isn't sweet. You know how unhappy you are. Well, I can change that. You can? How? Forgive Alice. Then I'll forgive you. And the hate and sin will be Alice's problem, not yours. You will have settled the problem as far as you are concerned. Well, you know, you're right. You always are. More than I want revenge, I want to be right with you. Hmm. All right, all right, I'll forgive her. There now, wonderful, how do you feel? Well, well, not bad. 
Not bad at all. In fact, I feel pretty great. You know, I don't think I'll go to bed uptight tonight. I haven't been getting much rest, you know. Yeah, I know. But you're not even through with your prayer, are you? Go on. Oh, all right. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Good, good, I'll do that. Just don't put yourself in a place where you can be tempted. What do you mean by that? You know what I mean. Yeah, I know. Okay, go ahead. Finish your prayer. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Do you know what would bring me glory? What would really make me happy? No, but I'd like to know. I want to please you now. I've really made a mess of things. I want to truly follow you. I can see now how great that would be. So tell me, how do I make you happy? You just did. And so next, I'd like to play you a song that's called My Delight by Eileen Walker. And here it is. Psalm 1-1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. And 
Hey, what a great song by Eileen Walker. And here's what she said regarding this song. And she said this song is from Psalm 1 and represents so many things I love. The Psalms. Putting music to the Psalms. Writing songs that are full of joy and celebration and making music that is fun to play. With my friends and family, good times all around, I do also pray that this song will remind all of us to consistently read and delight in the God's Word. And Psalm 1, 1, 2 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Faith cannot thrive in the hostile environment of self-reliance. Only through surrender can we, like Abram, walk by faith and not by sight. Perception is a funny thing. Every day our senses aid us in the task of gathering information and then assimilating those things we see, hear, smell, taste, and touch into a basic understanding of life. You think since most of us use the same five senses to collect data from our environment that we'd share a similar view of the world, but that's not the case. Far from it. Therein lies a clue as to why the Bible instructs us to walk by faith and not by sight. The gift of sight was given to most of us at birth so that we could visually experience the world around us. But God never intended for our sight or any other senses to become the sole means to discern the truth. In fact, he masterfully and mysteriously created our vision to function in a way that defies the whole idea of seeing is believing. God created our eyes so that when we view an object, the image we see is initially upside down. After that image hits our retina, the image is then translated into neural impulses and carried along millions of optic nerve fibers to the brain. This means that our brain receives a picture of the world flipped on its head. But being so brilliantly designed, our brains figure out very early and very quickly that the upside down images are not the way things really are and learn the ability to interpret them as right side up. Says John Bloom, our eyes are a parable about faith. As brilliant as our brains are, they were never meant to be an independent source of enlightenment either. Adam and Eve discovered this quickly after they relied on their own understanding, forfeited their sacred communion with God, and thrust all of mankind into the curse of sin. So what's a Christian to do? In a world full of competing ideas, information, and philosophies, even within Christian circles, how can believers gain the insight that enables them to walk in truth. So in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, Paul explains to the Corinthians that even though this temporary realm we live in may seem like a physical barrier between us and God, through Christ we are able to have fellowship with God via the invisible realm of faith. Or as Bill Combs puts it in Walk by Faith, a missed verse, for now believers live in the realm of faith trusting in the Lord whom they have not seen, but one day they will live in the realm of sight. Similarly, in John 20 and 29 and 1 Peter 1, 8, we see the same evidence that there is more to truth than meets the eye. 
Though none of us have physically seen God, we can know that He is real. We can know that His words and ways are good. And we can know that He's trustworthy. How? Through the mechanism of faith. When we use faith as an interpretive filter, it changes the way we see things, which changes the way we live. No longer are we bound to a finite understanding of life, dependent on our senses and intellect. Through faith, we tap into the infinite insight only God can provide. Armed with the new perspective, a believer can live out their God-given calling through Christ's strength and power rather than their natural understanding. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen from Hebrews 11.1. 1. True faith is a sacred substance. This substance, a comb of knowledge, belief, and trust in the Almighty, is a gift that is planted in the core of all believers by the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. There's an old truism that says faith and its object cannot be separated. Blind faith is an objectless faith. When someone operates out of blind faith, they make life decisions based on their own unfounded beliefs. Yes, those beliefs can be based on a certain system, deity, or philosophy. But blind faith is not substantiated by any object. It's based solely on how the person feels or thinks about their belief. This statement may seem like silly semantics, but when our faith is directed by our own fickle feelings and thoughts, it's destined to fail and is blind faith. What directs your decisions, action, words, and thoughts? Unlike blind faith, true faith isn't dependent on what we think, feel, or believe at any given moment. True faith relies on who God is. True faith is formed inside each believer and nurtured to maturity through Christ, the object of our faith. Christ grows our faith by revealing the truth to our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit and by providing concrete evidence of God's power and goodness. Circumstances may go from bad to worse. We may endure suffering, and there may be times when the trials of life tempts to overtake us. But true faith not only preserves through testing, but does also gains strength and makes us stronger during the process. With true faith, we can walk confidently into the future knowing that God is able to hold us, sustain us, empower us, heal us, and strengthen us, no matter what, because he has done it before and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Before we can walk by faith, you must stop walking by any other means. You must be willing to let God take your world and turn it upside down. Shake it up and start all over again. So here are some practical ways to begin your faith walk journey. The first will be surrender. In today's culture of self-reliance, the word surrender has been given a bad rap. But surrender is the must for any believer who wants to walk by faith. Galatians 2.20 describes surrender this way. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we cling to our own desires, dreams, and goals, we leave no room for God's transformative power to shape our lives. We also rob ourselves of the protection God has provided against the schemes of the enemy.
In Genesis 12, God asked Abram to leave his home and travel to a faraway place where he would later receive as his inheritance. But what if instead of responding in faith, Abram had said, That sounds great, God, but I have a young wife at home, and all her family and mine would be furious if we had left Haran. Besides, I don't like the idea of traveling too far in the desert. I'm getting older now. I was 75 on my last birthday. Maybe in my younger years, if I could have pulled off an adventure like this, but the mission seems too complicated, too taxing, too risky... No, I'm afraid I'll have to pass. Does Abram's fictitious response sound absurd? How many times do we use worldly wisdom or inconvenience as an excuse to avoid surrender? Faith cannot thrive in the hostile environment of self-reliance. Only through surrender can we, like Abram, walk by faith. And next would be refocus. It's easy to get caught up in the circumstances of life that we feel consumed by them. But if we can take a step back, look at the bigger picture, and realize that this world is not our real home, it can change the way we view our temporary circumstances here on earth. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. From 2 Corinthians 4.18 In the realm of faith, we are given eyes to see life as it truly is. Sure, we'll still experience trials on this earth, but we can view those trials knowing that they are working an eternal purpose. By faith, we can trust that the same God who controls the winds and waves also controls the circumstances in our lives, and He is good. In the 14th chapter of Exodus, Moses reaches the Red Sea with thousands of Israelites in his care and hundreds of Egyptians in hot pursuit. So what if instead of responding in faith, Moses had taken one look at the massive ocean ahead, the angry army behind, and allowed what he saw to determine the fate of Israel? Our physical sight can often act as a spiritual blinders. To walk by faith, we must refocus. When we begin to actively trust God more than we trust our own perceptions, He will lead the blind by ways that have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn to the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. From Isaiah 42:16. And the last one is stand on God's promises. The Word of God provides a, the solid ground on which we can take our steps of faith. The Bible is full of promises that are intended to help Christians guard and defend the precious deposit entrusted to us. The more we apply these promises to our everyday battles, the more our faith will be strengthened. In Luke 1.45, Elizabeth greets pregnant Mary with these prophetic words. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Can you imagine how difficult it must have been for a 12-year-old girl to believe and accept these miraculous promises? What if Mary had succumbed to the inevitable ridicule, slander, and hate leveled at her by the unbelieving world and had refused a holy calling to carry our Lord the Savior? But praise God, she didn't. Instead, Mary was able to see her circumstances from the realm of faith and repeat God's promises to her cousin. 
Mary knew just as the angel told her that no word from God will ever fail. She stood on his word and lived out her calling according to it. To walk by faith, it's not enough to believe that God's word and promises are true. We must act on our belief and stand on the truth. When what we believe overflows into how we live, then our faith is made complete and is counted to us as righteousness. So I'm going to end today's episode on an audio clip by Billy Graham on Walk by Faith. And here it is. Oh, I want to tell you, there are times that I feel Christ so very close that I feel like standing up and dancing a jig. There are times that I feel like shouting hallelujah. And then there are other times when Christ, I can't even touch Christ. I don't even feel him at all. And our, my mother is here tonight. And I remember when I was in school, I wrote to her one day many years ago. She's forgotten. And I said, Mother, you know, for the last few weeks, I haven't been able to get anywhere in my prayers. And I don't feel Christ. And she said, Son, you have accepted Christ as your Savior. And whether you have feeling or not, the moments that you don't feel anything are the moments when he may be the closest because that's the moment that you must walk by sheer faith and God may be testing you. How wonderful to have a faith to believe, a faith that could change the world and certainly a faith that could change your world. So that does bring the end of our episode today and I hope everybody enjoyed it. And my closing prayer as always is that God blesses the journey you're on with him and that you embrace that path. So next week's episode is going to be on Trust Me One Day at a Time. So you can connect with me at positivelightpodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And anywhere you download your podcast, you can get Positive Life for free. So again, I hope everybody had a great week. God bless, and we'll catch you next week.